BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You know, habitually I would have said, it's Thursday and you know what that means. But it's not Thursday? So I don't know what that means. No, it's actually Friday. And so it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the day after dynamite. Welcome to, I guess, this special day after day after dynamite. I'm Will Washington. Uh, I am your dad here on Dad, but I'm not alone here because I am joined by a guy who I've known a really, really long time. And if you've known me a long time, then you've also known this gentleman a long time because we co-hosted a little show called RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk together for a number of years. Um, And I knew him before he hosted RBR. Uh, and I've known him afterward. Uh, he is my dear, dear friend, Matt Galloway. Will, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here on Dadad, as you said at the beginning of the show, or maybe it would be uh, Door, Day of Rampage, so, which would be ironic for you, I guess. Um, day, day of Rampage, I actually like that. Yeah, I didn't so even think about that. I'm that uh, happy to be here, and like you said, we've known each other for a long time. I had a scary realization just within the last hour that I've actually known you for over half of my life. 17 years, uh-huh. about to be 34 this summer. So, Oh, shit, yeah. Th- 17 that's... years this month, so scary. Yeah, I know. Uh, next Saturday, yeah, they say in the chat, yeah, D-O-R. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, next Saturday, uh, and I was going to do a little something on Grapsity, is my 17th anniversary of podcasting in yeah. general. I have been every You're single week. There's uh, not even consistently. pods anymore. <laughs> I but, know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was telling Scott so when he was on the show a few weeks ago that like I had a coworker who was genuinely shocked to find out that the pod and podcast is from iPods, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, that makes sense." But yeah. yeah, that's is it a Gen Z coworker or is it? Uh, is that, I want to. That s- would be that would make sense. Yeah, I, I want to say he's probably like twenty nine, twenty eight. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think like late millennial. Um, but either way, Matt, it's so great to have you here. And I wanted to ask Matt to be here because. Uh, Dynamite, in case you're wondering why this show is a day late. And thank you all for joining us and continuing to be with me on this kind of wacky schedule. I know I didn't do a show two weeks ago. And then last week, uh, me and Denise did the show. Um, And so it's been kind of weird and we're changing the times. But uh, I promise you going forward that Day After Dynamite will be on every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, which is uh, noon Pacific. Yes. Uh, And that is the time going forward for day after dynamite uh and 
Yeah, I'm being asked, Will, can you turn your volume down a smidge? Am I that much louder than Matt? Okay. Uh, so That's like not, I'm not used to that. I'm usually the loudest person in every podcast that I'm a part yeah, of. Yeah, somebody else said, Will, your mic is high, my dude. Okay, all right, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. All right, uh, we will turn this down to like 130 and see how we like that. How about... How about now? Does that sound better, folks? You guys let me know in the chat. Um, that's what you guys are here for. See, if I didn't have, like, live feedback, could you imagine if I was, like, taping this stuff and then, like, I find out way after the fact that... You just post the whole episode. Everyone's like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, just so... have to play you on a Bluetooth speaker from across the room. Ah, uh, yep. Uh, let's see. And I'm getting thumbs up. Better, no static. That's what I'm talking about. Thank nice. you, uh, everybody in the chat. I really appreciate Live your tech feedback. Support. Yes. Um, and hey, friends. So, Dynamite took place this week from the Cable Dahmer Arena, which for whatever reason, and this is probably just a thing in my head. Do you remember the TV show, Coach? No. Okay. I remember um, the commentator coach. <laughs> yeah, no, that was coach with Craig T. Nelson. Anyway, his his two, um, uh, I guess, I don't know. They were like his bulk and scholar, Lenny and Squiggy, I guess. They were like his best friends in the show. But it was, uh, um, their names were Luther and Dauber. And so whenever I think of Cable Dauber Arena, my brain goes Luther Dauber Arena, which I know is like not. And that's yeah. like a... a uh, a, a reference that barely anybody gets, but I, I, that's how I think of it. It used to be the Silver Scene Eye Center, which was as that's Tony Khan. Yeah, and Tony Khan made sure to mention like five or six times uh, that that was the home of the Kenny Omega and Pac Iron Man match that took place. Uh, it was the go home show to AEW Revolution 2020. Um, it was actually one of the. Uh, I will say at the time it was one of my favorite episodes of Dynamite. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, but I know that that show had some some pretty great stuff. I think there was a four way on that show, wasn't there? Yeah. Between, uh, I want to say it was Hikaru Shida, Yuka Sakazaki, Shanna, and Big Swole. Tell me if I'm wrong, folks. You'll have but, to rely on the chat because <laughs> Wednesday was actually my first AEW show. You've encouraged me to go in the past, but I haven't really had a crew to go with. Um, mm -hmm. I'm the only wrestling fan that I know in my area. I have tons of wrestling fan friends, but they're all spread out throughout the country. I think a lot of wrestling fans are in a similar boat with that. Um, but this time I had not only Will, who made the trip, uh, the very nice and scenic trip from Colorado <laughs> to the Kansas City area, and our good friend Cody Carlson, who was also in town. And uh, fun fact, the Whataburger that's near this arena, uh, the last time Cody visited me, we actually... After a Chiefs game where the Chiefs defeated the Broncos, I just had to throw that in there. We waited for two hours in line at that Whataburger, <laughs> and they got our order wrong, and it was cold. I saw uh, Takeshi posted a picture of going to Whataburger, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the one. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is the one. We're, we're, Whataburger is new to the Kansas City area for years. Mm -hmm. uh, we got tortured on all the Big 12 football basketball broadcasts because they would show ads for Whataburger because they were just you know Big 12 country. And Kansas and Iowa don't have it. So it was just like basically uh, dangling stuff in front of us <laughs> that we can't have. Yeah, I, I did make the drive, by the way. It was a very like last minute decision as far as how I was going to do it. Like, we had been talking about going for 
like months but as far as uh how i was gonna get there you know typically i have no problem flying last minute but all of a sudden like i've taken flights to kansas city before i flew into kansas city once on a whim i think in 2018 uh just to go and spent like 40 bucks on my flight easy shit right (laughs) this was uh but i looked and i'm like why are flights still like 400 dollars to go to kansas city from denver that flight is 45 minutes and like i want to say 20 of those minutes are spent like just getting the plane ready (laughs) (laughs) any flight where they don't offer you a snack you cannot be 400 dollars. right and so finally i'm like okay i'll just drive i calculated gas prices i think i ended up spending like 150 bucks in gas not terrible um Mm -hmm. i've made way worse road trips than that uh with way lower gas prices so um I made the drive and I took Billy with me, uh, mainly because Billy's birthday is day after tomorrow, June 12th. And so I was like, let's go, let's go, let's have some fun. And we did a father son road trip. I drove through Kansas City, or Kansas City, Kansas State, uh, which is one of the most boring drives in all of America. I think it's that and Nebraska, I think, are tied for like. Just boring ass drives. Yeah, it's like, what do you like, corn or wheat? Which <laughs> direction you want to go? And there's like nothing. There is nothing for so many hours. Um, I got a speeding ticket, by the way. I got a speeding ticket over. Uh, so I wouldn't say I was like an hour into Kansas, and I got a speeding ticket. Uh, and it's like in one of those like bullshit ass areas where. <laughs> um, you know, I'm the type to like take my speeding tickets if I get them. I, I do take them to court. And the reason I do is because usually nobody wants to waste the time on like a bullshit ass speeding ticket. And so they'll reduce them usually. Um, and they'll be like, okay, look, one point defective headlight. And uh, and then I'm like, cool. <laughs> and I walk away without having like any speed. Like on the record, I don't have any actual speeding infractions, right? Like they every time I take them, it's just like, um, <laughs> it's always some bullshit. And it's great. Mm-hmm. But this happened in a part of the country that there's no chance I'll return to because I would have to go to court in that county. So I actually have to pay the speeding ticket. This is going to be the first actual speeding ticket on my record. I'm annoyed by this. Um, and Or do I go back? And will this even work out? I don't know. <laughs> I, think you should go. I think you should make it another trip. I think you should go out there <laughs> to whatever county that was, population 28, mm-hmm. and you should fight it. Because, you know, when I when you called me, uh, Cody and I were at the Royals game when you called me and told me you got a speeding ticket. And my question to you was, how fast were you going? And your response was just, too fast. <laughs> too fast. <laughs> too fast. Um, I uh, feel like they intentionally uh, unless... made that road through the most boring part of America because they mm-hmm. knew people would go 95. To get I was doing it. 97. <laughs> and oh <my> so uh, <laughs> they clocked me at 97. And uh, so... That was that. I was also on the phone with my mom at the time, and I was like, well, "Mom, I gotta go. I, I'm being pulled over." And I forgot to call her back, so she's like panicking for hours because she's like, "What happened to my son? He got pulled over in the middle of Kansas City." And yeah, uh, and I, I was like, "Sorry, mom. I, it was fine." Uh, they were just like, "Slow down and let me go," and that was it. And then my car also uh, stopped working. Um, in that I got, a, I won't say stop working. I was able to drive it, but my check engine light came on over halfway through the trip. Uh, but it turned out it was just my cruise control that was busted. Uh, and they were like, well, I hope you weren't planning on using the cruise control through this trip because it's not going to work anymore. So, 
<sighs> Whatever. Hey. Adventures. I want to remind everybody of something, though. Here, uh, and people are freaking out over 97. <laughs> but uh, I want to make sure that if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Fightful Overbooked. We've got some great shows here on Fightful Overbooked, uh, and they occur every single uh, day. We've got daily content here on Fightful Overbooked from some really great people. Um, I love everything SP3 does. love everything that Jeremy does. I love... Uh, Everybody here at Fightful Overbooked is doing some great work. Please subscribe. Please check them out. Um, also, uh, one of the things that helps support Fightful Overbooked is the Super Chats and the Humper Chats. If you go to HumperChats.com um, and send us your chats, we'll read them right here on the show. Um, but if you want them brought up on the screen, we can also do Super Chats. Um, the Humper Chats, of course, uh, YouTube takes a bigger cut of those chats. So if you want to support what we do better, we prefer the Humper Chats, but if you want your face and all of that brought up on the screen and your donation amount, um, then the Super Chats, such as our good friend Mac from Brooklyn, he says, one half of the Fatal 4 back together again. It's good to see. There's still Fatal 4 tech. I mean, this is one half of the, an iteration of the Fatal 4, I suppose. But if you really think about it, because I've had Felipe on the show as well. I've had uh, Anthony Scats on this show. Um, really... Uh, as far as this show is concerned, um, I have a feeling that at some point I'll have had uh, everybody on who's available on an afternoon, um, and most <laughs> uh, most of the time people aren't. So I do also get that. But uh, yeah, lucky just... for you, I'm taking the entire week off. Ah, so. yeah. Well, I, so I messaged you and I was like, "Hey, are you like working today?" Because uh, I've tried to get Cody on the show, for example, but like Cody's schedule isn't quite mm -hmm. conducive to doing this. And uh, but you, you were. Yep. Um, and so yeah, they're asking some questions. Like uh, Girl Power Wow says, "Hey, Will, were you concerned that none of the top contenders were in the battle royal? I mean, it was kind of obvious that Moxley would beat KOR. I mean, Moxley was going to win no matter what. I felt like." Uh, I thought that, uh, but it was, I, 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 we'll talk about it in a sec, but I thought it was a good way mm -hmm. to get, um, a great showing in for the person who ended up winning. Yeah. So I, I thought I, my, my thought just big picture on the show. Um, and we'll get to the, we'll get to it in a second, but just with the battle Royal, kind of a microcosm of it, the biggest stars weren't in it. Like I was wondering why isn't Jericho in this match? Uh, I get what they're doing with the MJF situation, but I was wondering why isn't MJF in this match? A lot of the biggest stars weren't in the match, but for what it was, you know, and a lot of the biggest shows weren't on, or biggest stars weren't actually on the show. Uh, but for what it was, I thought it did a good job, and they have been building up Kyle O'Reilly lately, and I think it was a good competitive uh, showing to build to the main event. I think one of my biggest, a lot of things with with Dynamite that I've been critical of. Uh, I think that have kind of ramped up over the last few months every time I watch it is that there are a lot of post-match run-ins, a lot of interviews that are interrupted within uh, like 30 seconds of them starting, <laughs> and a lot of shows that feel like bite-sized pieces that don't really tell a thread throughout it. Some of my favorite episodes of wrestling history have been shows that tell a thread from start to finish. This episode of Dynamite didn't do any of those things, and it did actually tell a thread from start to finish. Kyle O'Reilly won the Battle Royal. There were promos from Moxley and Kyle O'Reilly, and then they had a main event that capped off the entire 
single episode story. And then it didn't have the kind of crutches that I would call them at times uh, that they sometimes use the EWR booking where you don't know how to end a match segment. So you're just like, okay, run in by this person and then continue that feud. (laughs) Um, So I actually thought, you know, we'll get to our big picture thoughts on the show, but I thought in terms of actually being uh, a disciplined show, this was one of the best dynamites I've seen in terms of just being structured well. Damn. Okay. Uh, and by the way, uh, so they were asking, was Jericho at the Rampage taping? I don't think Jericho was there at all, uh, which is interesting because I'm looking at the list of advertised talent and looking at it now, one of the, or two of them are understandable, but I don't know what the deal with Jericho was, but I know that Punk was advertised and he wasn't there. My, um, uh, Brian was advertised and wasn't there, and Jericho was advertised and wasn't yeah. there. And I'm pretty sure... And I guess we'll find out on BTE this week. But my gut tells me that that backstage segment with the Hardys and uh, Matt and Nick and Jurassic Express was taped a week ago. <laughs> yeah. No, that was my thought, too, because um, I I was like, well, we didn't see any of, the, any of those people at Rampage or after the show. And I would have thought, man, if you're not going to have all of those other stars you could at least have the Hardy boys come out or something, even if they, if, if they can't wrestle that night. So, yeah, yeah, I think that segment was taped last week at, uh, at TV. That's just my gut feeling, uh, mainly because I didn't see them anywhere, uh, at all. Um, throughout and that was one of my biggest concer- concerns going into the show was you had such a big dynamite last week with the MJF promo that, you know, the, the show after the pay-per-view, you have such a big show next week with the, you know, the make good to St. Louis with the ladder match and all of the other, you know, stacked elements on that card. And then in two weeks, right, you have blood and guts in, in Detroit. Three weeks, I think. Okay. So I was worried that this would be almost like, you know, in the, in the ebbs and flows, I was worried that this would be a flow show. And it mm-hmm. kind of was in terms of, of like one eventful thing happened, really. And the rest of it was kind of by the numbers. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with that. And I, it was, you know, I think it's okay to have a show that maybe doesn't have a ton of newsworthy stuff happening but just is a good wrestling show yeah i can agree with that and you know so i was um so i went back and watched it on television and uh i have one big critique more than anything else uh i don't know what happened but i did i I, twitter prompted me to go look for this because i was in that building super hot crowd um and all throughout but I noticed on Twitter, people were like, well, man, why is this crowd so dead? And watching it, I agree. I don't know what the, I mean, I, it, so what it sounded like, because you were in that building. I feel like the crowd was reacting for literally everything. It was like super hot all throughout. There were chants. There was everything. Yeah. When you watch it on TV this week, it's almost as if like a mic wasn't turned on or something. Because mm-hmm. every, the, the crowd all sounds like they're like a mile away. uh it it all sounds like it's at a distance like you can visually see people reacting you can like when there's pops the pops all sound and i feel like the pops were because of the fact that uh even like the uh i feel like there's no mic that wouldn't have picked up some of those louder pops but i felt like for the most part the reactions all sounded very distant And I don't know what it was, but something sounded off about the show. And being there, this was as hot of a crowd as AEW's had. Uh, But uh, I didn't hear it come through on TV. I don't have a lot to compare it to because I haven't been to an AEW show before. But I did think as I was leaving the show 
that was a crowd that was starved for good wrestling and they basically i mean it's difficult to stay up for the entire show but i felt like by the end of rampage they were as hot for ftr as they were for anyone else yeah uh, throughout the night so i thought you know i could only compare it to the raw shows that i've been to recently <laughs> at the much larger t-mobile center in kansas city proper and that was a much hotter crowd than those WWE shows. So I'm guessing it was a situation where maybe it wasn't mic'd properly, but yeah, it, it I, I feel like it was a hot crowd. It sounds like there's just like a mic not turned on, and I don't know what it was, but something just wasn't picking up. And it was weird because some of the some of the miking in the ring was also a little off. Like you would hear the the officials when they got to certain spots in the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we could hear them in the yeah. building. We could hear uh, certain like when they would get to certain corners, we could hear like talking in the ring, like playing over the loudspeaker. It was yeah. a little odd, uh, which I, I had never heard that before. Um, yeah, and by the way, it throws me off when you say, uh, because of the Sprint-T-Mobile merger, when you say T-Mobile or, uh, or T-Mobile Center, because T-Mobile Arena is in Vegas where Double or Nothing just took place. Yeah. But T-Mobile Center used to be the Sprint Center, and that's in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Every part of my brain wants to still call it the Sprint Center. This mm-hmm. is what we did for like 15 years. But I've had to like hardwire it to say T-Mobile Center. Oh, that's where we're at. We don't have the Pepsi Center anymore. We have Ball Arena. Um, and I don't even know if they serve Pepsi products anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder if just like out of spite, they were like, no, we get Coke products in here now since mm-hmm. Pepsi is no longer our namesake. But anyway, so let's start. We've had the... Uh, but you know the, the guy that manages the, manages the team in that arena. You know what he is, right? Enus. He's an Enus. You're an Enus. <laughs> Enus, Enus, Enus. Uh, it's a, you know what's funny is when I make references to things from 2009, I get reminded <laughs> from like our – like because, you know, we have viewers and stuff. I, I, I know a couple that are like 17, right? And so in mm-hmm. 2009, they would have been uh, – uh, how long ago was that 13 years ago so they would have been four right so then like um it's <laughs> so i hear that and i'm like oh hmm. and somebody asking do the abs win the stanley cup will well i'll tell you i hope so because i'm going to my first ever stanley cup game with jeremy lambert um and i i want that to happen which is so. a, uh do we know which game in the series it is yet or are you just, is it just tentative plans uh tentative plans i think we were just or he just messaged me today i haven't even responded to him uh sorry jeremy um but uh i know that he was thinking about going to like game two but Mm -hmm. either way it's exciting uh it all depends right because uh the eastern conference series hasn't ended yet so i will tell you as a disgruntled new york islanders fan i'm rooting for whoever it is as long as it's not the lightning if the, if the Lightning get a three-peat, I'm just done watching hockey. It's over. <laughs> well, of course, lightning. you know me, big hockey fan. You know, I've been oh, watching hockey my entire life. Um, I know all of the rules of hockey, definitely, mm-hmm. and I'm not confused every time I, I watch a game. Um, yeah. And I don't all have to All you need to, to know is if it's really back and forth, just stand up and start chanting, Skate forever! <laughs> I, like, just the other day, I was just like... Okay, I need to be reminded. What is a power play again? And uh, I know now, um, but I, I did have to the other day. But anyway, so Tony Khan had announced on Busted Open this past Wednesday that uh, surprise! Not only are we getting a battle royal, 
this is actually going to be a casino battle royale. Uh, and people were wondering, because we didn't get the casino battle royale, uh, as we kind of traditionally have at Double or Nothing. Although, like, people were saying, they were like, hey, you know, isn't it traditionally at Double or Nothing? We didn't get one this year. But there's been four Double or Nothings, and only two of them had casino battle royales. Uh, the second Casino Battle Royale was actually at All Out 2020. So, therefore, it's actually not really true. Um, but, but but either way, we did get the match, finally. Uh, it did take place on Dynamite Casino Rules. Um, and the Casino Rules, of course, are that uh, five people enter at a time. It starts with five people, and then we get another five, and then another five, and then another five, and then... Uh, once 20 people have entered, then we have the Joker. And who could the Joker be? We were to find out on this show. Uh, and so, if I remember correctly, the match opened up with who was already in the ring? I know Lance Archer was before, and he had the last entry. That's Tony right. Nice. That, and yes. Lance Archer were joined by Eddie Kingston and Darby Allen. That's right. They got the first uh, entrances uh, after the pyro. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, that, and they started the crowd off. One of my hot. biggest takeaways is how over Eddie Kingston is. I mean, yes. I think it's beyond just wrestling fans loving to chant Eddie. I think it's beyond that because there was an Eddie Kingston chant mm-hmm. later on in the show. So, yes, I think I think people just love Eddie Kingston, and after watching him cut promos, it's it's obvious as to why. I mean, he's maybe the best in the business. Yes, and uh, there was it was great reaction for um, kind of everybody to start it off. I feel like fans were just really into it. I've always said because I know the Casino Battle Royale has kind of mixed reviews um, in terms of the TV presentation. I've always said being at them live because I don't miss anything. Because the only gripes I've ever had with the Casino Battle Royale is that sometimes things get missed. I uh, I thought the Women's Casino Battle Royale at, at the first All Out was really good, and I enjoyed it watching it. And then I went back, I looked on Twitter, and everybody was like, oh, that sucked. And I went back and watched it, and I'm like, they didn't even catch that B Priestley and uh, Britt Baker like brawled out of the casino battle royale and then like into the crowd and like literally i was warned by security right before the spot they're like hey they're like about to come over this way so can you like back up out of the way and then they like brawled into the crowd and i say all that because that is never shown on tv at all none of that like it completely missed all that and so i felt like uh as far as this one was concerned i was like paying attention to like what are the cameras actually catching um i wanted to make sure that previous casino battle royales one of the things that i noticed that they sometimes forget to do is like turn the cameras toward the entrance way so that you don't just have music and somebody sliding in off screen like you want to have that shot of somebody running down there was an oof at one point that I don't know yes. if it was picked up by TV, but you know it was, I watched it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there was one set. Uh, so when the second set hits of people, I know Ricky Starks was in that one. Jake Hager, Ray Phoenix, Swerve and Keith Lee. Yes. Do you have it right in front of you? I do. Or- okay <laughs> I, I do not have that much of a photographic memory <laughs> i'm like okay i i thought maybe you had the first ones memorized well but then i'm like no there's no fucking way on this second set the show uh, made that much of an impression on me yes uh but they had partners entered together um which was actually part of the story of the match later on 
Um, but yeah, I you noticed with uh, Ricky Starks' Tron had started and then his music started late, so I knew something was like off with the production. But then when the third set hits, this is completely fucked. Uh, they they do the countdown and they even showed it on the the. They have like a wide shot on screen of like the Tron, a uh, five, four, three, two, one, and then like the Dark Order Tron hits, but no music plays, and it like plays for like fifteen seconds. Yeah, and then <laughs> then turns off, and then they just go back and do the countdown again, uh, and this time the music actually plays, and we're like, oh yeah, Dark Order person. It, it turned out to be John Silver, but uh, to be shocked. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was a little production snafu, but other than that. Uh, that all mostly worked out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that set was... I know it was John Silver. I think both members of Red Dragon were in that set. No, that was John Silver, Takeshita, um, and then Max Caster and the Ass Boys. Oh, that's right. Okay, those are the three that entered in that one. Yeah, Max Caster, uh, he cut his rap. He, and, like, that's the thing is his line on Patrick Mahomes got, like, huge heat in the arena. But uh, And you were right, by the way. That was the offensive line in the crowd. They uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, that was exactly what you said. like him, yeah. Uh, and sure enough, uh, when I watched it on TV and they showed them on screen, it just said uh, Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. Mm-hmm. And thought, okay, that, yeah. that was right. Now, he could knows that be team. considered tampering by Tony Khan? Uh, <laughs> hey, well, I've got you here. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm just joking. But yeah, uh, another one of my biggest takeaways from the show. I love the acclaimed Gun Club like act. I mean, yes, it's, it's funny. Uh, the line that Max Caster had about Patrick Mahomes was the first actual instance of heat on this entire show because even throughout dark elevation tapings, everyone was cheered. I think the crowd was just happy to see everybody. Yeah, like private party got cheered. Everyone got the local talent got cheered. Everyone got cheered. Um, but yeah, I love that act. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, and uh, the the ass boys getting the uh, the city's wrong has actually been a great shtick, um, and it works every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what did he say. They said uh, I know they dropped. It was St. Louis first crowd booed, mm-hmm. and then was it did Topeka? He, yeah, it was Topeka. Yeah, it was yeah. it. Uh, and which they booed let's mid. be fair, probably deserved the booze. <laughs> I don't know why that is. What what is it about Topeka? I'll say no more. All right, uh, so... If you know, you know. The girls who know, know. The girls who don't, don't. And if you don't, I honestly feel sorry for you. It's a TikTok reference. Anyway, I'm going to make a lot of TikTok references that will go right over your head. Uh, yeah, I don't spend enough time on TikTok. The only TikToks I get are the ones my wife sends me. And um, the ones she sends me are all like, hey, this describes you. And... Uh, <laughs> Like, yeah. I, she sent me one this morning that was just, uh, uh, what did it say? Hell, I'll even show you. Um, <laughs> she sent me one this morning that was like, when someone tells you to do something I was already planning to do, and, like, dude turns around with, like, angry expression. Because um, <laughs> I, like, do that all the time. Yeah. Like, if I am, like, headed toward the trash can and I'm, like, bagging up the trash, she goes, hey, can you take the trash out? I just have this look like. Excuse me? Yeah. How dare <laughs> like, you? So either way, those are the only TikToks I ever watch. Otherwise, I'm like not mm-hmm. on TikTok at all. Yeah, and everybody tells me. Chronic TikTok brain. <laughs> uh, and so the uh, so the next group was, and this was the final group, right? Yeah. Um, 
And this, and you know what was interesting about this group? So I remember Red Dragon was in this group because mm-hmm. um, I remember their music hitting and both members coming out. So like, what was really interesting to me was that none of the members of this group were even in the forefront of my mind as the winner because like Kyle O'Reilly, are you kidding me? There's no way he's the winner. He came out with his partner. He didn't even get a solo entrance. Uh, and honestly, that threw me off in all the right ways. Yeah. Other entrants in that group, Dante Martin, Wheeler Yuta, and Powerhouse Hops. Yes, and this was the return of Wheeler Yuta, who's been in Japan uh, for the last uh, month. And so we got to see him back on TV. I think he's working the dark tapings. If those aren't today, those are tomorrow, right? I actually don't know the answer to that. Those are taping tomorrow. Um, At this point in the match, there was a lot of congestion. I mean, obviously, but there had not been a lot of eliminations. A couple of the eliminations were interesting. They had Swerve eliminate Keith Lee, and then they had, which, I mean, could be leading to something, or it could have just been a spot. And then they had Swerve eliminate... uh, uh, I guess... Ray Phoenix? No, that was... I'm not sure who he... He eliminated another... Oh, it was... uh, Was it... Darby Allen. He eliminated yeah, so, another so, crowd so, favorite. So I've eliminated Darby Allen. So um, okay, I guess this is where I get to drop some inside baseball. Uh, as I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to ruin the fun. It absolutely is going somewhere. Um, in case you haven't paid attention on Twitter, uh, but it is going somewhere, um, and it was purposeful. To have, because the the story they went with was, of course, Keith Lee had just tossed out both ass boys, and then um, they're being mocked by Swerve and Keith Lee, and then Swerve decides to eliminate Keith Lee. Um, But there is a reason that wasn't just one of those, like, ah, you got me kind of spots, because there Mm -hmm. was a reason that they hung on the shot of Keith Lee looking angry, and then hung on the shot of Swerve staring him down. Uh, there was something to that. And I, so I'm not related to anybody in this match. So I can tell you, I don't have any inside information, but I, I do think it's interesting because they could go one of two ways with it. I mean, they could have swerve turn on Keith Lee, or they could have Keith Lee just upset about that perfectly normal and legal thing that happened in that match Mm -hmm. and freak out about it. Now I would probably turn swerve because Keith Lee is very over. I mean, the Bask yes. in His Glory chant is like one of the most... I mean, you hear it every single time he's on TV. Yes. Uh, but I, I think they could go one of two directions with it. I think it, it's inter- it'll be interesting to see which one they go. Well, I think what kind of cemented the direction they are heading was that it has been established on TV. And this is a real thing, by the way, um, that Swerve and uh, Darby Allen are very close. They know each other quite well. They both came up in the... Um, in kind of the, the same scene. They're both well-known in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, and I was pulling up a picture. Uh, shout out to Darby Allen for taking a picture with Billy. Um, and they talked skateboarding on Wednesday. And uh, I've never seen Darby Allen perk up uh, faster than I've ever seen somebody perk up when Billy was like, I skateboard. And Darby's like, really uh, and he's like uh and he's like well, tell me about your skateboard and billy starts talking about his skateboard and how long he's been skateboarding and um and darby starts giving him tips and uh it was a really cool moment and 
Uh, Billy told Darby that um, he's the reason he started skateboarding, that he really just wanted to do Darby's entrance down our driveway. And, and that's this is a true statement, by the way, that he act, that Billy would start the song, I Fell, and he'd play it at the top of the driveway and then get on a skateboard and ride down around the same time yeah. where Darby would. So, again, shout out to that. But, again, that's been established on AEW TV. Um, they mentioned it when they both had their match uh, in the Owen qualifier. And uh, oh, we've got spammers in the chat. Let's just go ahead and ban those. Uh, so again, uh, we we've seen that these two are friends. So of course we see the spot where um, Darby and Swerve fist bump, and they decide they're going to work together in this match. And then they eliminate uh, a number of people together. They work together. They get out Bobby Fish and all of that. And then Swerve does it again and throws Darby Allen out. And I think it's very clear at that point, if it wasn't clear that something was happening with mm-hmm. Keith and Swerve, when he then does it again later in the match of like, hey, yeah. I've got another friend here that I just double-crossed, yeah. uh, that no, should have been. The crowd were fully into booing Swerve at that point. <laughs> yes. Like, they, okay, you, yeah. they were not happy with that. And it uh, it worked. I feel yeah. like it got over quite well. Uh, the the Joker was the returning Andrade, which is interesting because as the uh, I want to say the Observer noted this week, or no, it was PW Insider. PW Insider noted this week. Charlotte's not scheduled to return, but Andrade's back after they both just got married. So. Uh, oddly enough, of the two divisions that needed their person, I feel like uh, SmackDown needs Charlotte a lot more than AEW needed Andrade back at this moment. So, I think that's a fair comment to make. <laughs> so I just I think it's interesting that that's mm-hmm. who called their person back uh, yeah. first. But he was great in this match. I mean, he he yes. didn't look like he lost a step. He looked like the Andrade of old. Yeah, so. uh, he was great and. Um, he got to be kind of the the establishment person because, like, as uh, things started to wind down and there were elimination after elimination, kind of back and back, back to back to back. Um, Wheeler Yuta got to kind of have the the hope spot in this match. Um, it came down to Wheeler Yuta and Kyle O'Reilly and Andrade, uh, and Wheeler has the crowd behind him. Um, they didn't forget for him being gone a month. Uh, but they didn't forget. They were really behind him. My brain kind of went one of two places. I'm like, I don't think they'll go with Andrade versus uh, Mox yet because I don't think they want Andrade coming freshly back like that to take a pin that soon. Uh, and so I was like, okay, this is Wheeler Yuta or Kyle O'Reilly. We've seen the Wheeler Yuta and Mox match three times already. There's nothing to do for a fourth. We've seen it. And granted, it was one of the best matches that Rampage has ever had. But I was like, you know, I don't think it's happening. And so my brain goes, is it Kyle? Is it really Kyle? And I'm like, saying to you as I'm sitting next to you. I'm like, I think Kyle O'Reilly's winning this. Yeah. Uh, and and sure enough, he did. He won. Yeah. Kyle O'Reilly wins. And like in hindsight, you go, oh, he does have some momentum, doesn't he? He just beat Jungle Boy. And then he beat... Um, uh, Ray Phoenix, and then he beat Darby Allen at the pay-per-view. Uh, and so, yeah, it kind of makes sense. He did lose to Joe, but otherwise, he's had some wins under his belt. It does kind of make sense, and they have kind of been showcasing him as more of a singles guy than it's felt like. This is not cool Kyle, by the way. This, like, I think Kyle O'Reilly has been uh, really solid as just showing, like, no, I can fucking go, and I am a yeah. pro wrestler. 
No, it is not. It's not the it's not the air guitar Kyle O'Reilly from NXT, which again was great and had its own role. But he's definitely turned the dial down on the humor aspect of his in ring stuff and his his promo stuff. Which, I mean, I'd like to see return someday. But he's definitely mm-hmm. going for more of like a serious badass type of type of role. Yeah. And I think it. I was really excited to see that main event. I mean, I I don't think I'd ever seen them lock up before. Yeah, I don't think they had. So uh, one thing that was cool here, as a matter of fact, was so after this match was over. um, And by the way, uh, I give the entire Casino Battle Royale like a B minus. I felt like uh, this was one of the better Casino Battle Royales. Um, I like the 2021 one as well, um, specifically speaking of the men's. uh, But I thought this was really solid and gave us a winner that was out of left field, but also made the the match that followed interesting. So yeah, it's all a B minus for this. I give it a B only because I'll slightly bump it up uh, from where you had it just because of the unpredictability aspect of it. I, I think mm-hmm. I've seen so many of these battle Royals lately that have been completely telegraphed like <laughs> yes. three weeks before they happened. So, <laughs> yeah, so this, this was cool. And then uh, after though, we got a promo from John Moxley backstage that, okay, look, I am sad to see CM Punk out right now. But this promo from Moxley made everything make sense to me. I feel like everything just kind of came together at once in this. And when I say that, I mean that Moxley, you know, when you think about the New Japan and AEW relationship, like, of course, New Japan, like Kenny Omega, of course, made a name for himself um, and solidified his presence in pro wrestling in New Japan. Uh But it really feels like when you think about the AEW New Japan connection, nobody has bridged that over these last three years more than Jon Moxley. He is the guy who is the bridge between New Japan and AEW. He was the IWGP United States champion for a really, really long time. Um, And he he worked both at at once. Um, And so when he's cutting this promo and he says, I am the forbidden door and that uh, anything that happens if from New Japan has to go through me. And it reminded me of the promo he cut last year going into All Out. And I thought, you know, obviously Punk was the Forbidden Door main event. It's in Chicago. It's at the United Center where Punk returned. But it makes the most sense for John Moxley to be the guy for this show. And as he cut this promo, I felt better. I, that was the first moment where I'm like, okay, this all makes sense. He needs to be the the centerpiece of the Forbidden Door. He needs to be the main event guy. And yeah. I'm ready for it. Yeah, no, you never want to see an injury, but there is a story that they can <laughs> tell that goes seamlessly. I mean, it, it would be pretty much an easier story to tell than I think um, Punk and Tanahashi. Yeah. So, And especially because that's the match that Mox has been fighting for all this time was uh, I want Tanahashi, give me Tanahashi. And it was actually weird to think about. I said last week that how crazy would it be that Mox has been screaming for Tanahashi for the last year, and we're not going to get it. <laughs> and, like, circumstantially, we now end up getting it, and it wasn't even the original plan. Um, yeah. So uh, it, it's like everything just kind of has incidentally worked out, and that's kind of cool. So Unless the best for, things in wrestling history have happened because of injuries and things falling through. So, yeah. I mean, Austin316 yeah. says, "Yeah, <laughs> I was Don't not even going to be considered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so shout out Ricardo the Mark with the super chat says, uh, let's talk about Bud, Matt, and Pac. I popped. 
I was excited to see this match. So, one of the announcements that truly came out of nowhere, because, like, Tony Khan has also mentioned, uh, he mentioned in an interview a little while back, that he was asked about championships, and he said that he's got, like, three championships, like, sitting at home that he already had commissioned that he could deploy at any point. Now, I thought that was, like, an exaggerated thing, because, like, obviously one of them he was talking about was the trios titles that uh, are coming, but we just don't know exactly when. And another one, um, I'm pretty sure that Cody has mentioned, Cody mentioned back when he was still in AEW, that he wanted to see women's tag titles, but I think, yeah, like, two more women are necessary for that, at least. <laughs> um and so I bet you that's one they're sitting on. And so the question was, like, what's the other? Are these just ideas he's had? And then all of a sudden they announced the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Did not see this coming at all. I had no clue that's where this video package was going, where they started to talk about the all the talent AEW's had, and there's one new championship coming. Um, Maxwell Baumbach was always of the belief that you can't have too many championships as long as they represent something. Um, and I'm a believer of that as well. He like very much swayed me and convinced me that that is the way to go. That they just need to represent something. That's it. Uh, I said on Twitter yesterday that I don't mind introducing new championships as long as they're for something. Uh, I think that the Ring of Honor titles have kind of muddied the situation because we have a lot of redundancy there mm -hmm. where like the Ring of Honor tag titles don't necessarily represent anything different than the AEW tag titles other than different companies but like right now an aw team has them so we just have two tag titles um whereas like the pure title that does represent something different tv title though doesn't really represent something different at the moment than the tnt title so there's some redundancy there and i feel like this all atlantic championship um when it's uh they announced the brackets for it and it's all international talent and i thought okay this actually does represent something it represents something different and so therefore I'm good with this. Uh, uh, and first match is Pac versus Buddy Murphy. Yeah, Buddy Matthews. Buddy Matthews. Sorry, right. Bud no, Matt. That's okay. Muscle memory. Muscle memory. Muscle memory. That's the first time I've done that. My bad. Buddy Matthews. I'm sorry. I w and the funny thing was when they changed his name in WWE, they dropped Buddy, and he was just Murphy. So, like, mm -hmm. technically, Buddy and Matthews are unique names from his right. last WWE run. Yeah. But uh, I, I would say the, the revelation of the new title, um, I'm going to let it play out. I, <laughs> I, I My instinct is that visually more than anything else there are too many titles in AEW I just think about people flipping channels landing on it seeing our, all of the ROH titles uh, Will Ospreay came out with the title later on in the show uh, the Owen Hart titles uh, I mean obviously they're not going to be defended but I, I just think visually there are too many people with titles for a two hour program or three hours of TV a week um, the other thing that everyone's already pointed out is a lot of the countries that are represented are not in the Atlantic Yes. <laughs> so it's an interesting choice of, of name for that title, but I'm going to let it play out. I mean, it, it could be a different type of title. I don't, I don't know the hierarchy right now. One of the biggest problems to me is that, and they had Wardlow even flat out say this later on, is the, is the way they have, not they, but just the, the TNT title has kind of fallen a few steps over the mm -hmm. last few title holders. I mean, they're openly acknowledging it on TV. I think they're going to try to course correct with Wardlow. But, I mean, it's just putting together the hierarchy in your brain kind of is a little bit of a, a mental gymnastics. Yeah. I, I, I will say this, though. 
Um, the, so looking at the talent in this, I got excited because of the fact that everybody who's been announced for this are guys I would like to see fighting for something and ha- really haven't had the ability to because the TNT title has kind of had its picture occupied. And so, like, you know, Pac's been a day one guy. Um, he is... Uh, even though he had a WWE career, he's considered an AEW original. Um, but for the most part, he hasn't had anything to fight for. Uh, Malachi Black remains really over, but he has basically been in this feud with Death Triangle since, like, November. Um, and it's fucking June. So, like, also, <laughs> um, you need something to fight for. Uh, and the... Who else? Uh... Uh, who else has got announced for it? And same with um, uh, Penta. Penta, yeah, Miro. Miro's another guy that you want to see uh, fighting for something. And Ethan Page is some, somebody who you want to see fighting for something. And so these are all guys that like have needed something. And it's going to be nice to get to see them go and do what they do. And so uh, when this was announced, I did actually... And at first, I had that same thought of like, do they need another title? Then they showed the bracket and I thought, yeah, they kind of do, because yeah. uh, somebody did a ratio on Twitter, and uh, I don't mean where you get a whole bunch more <laughs> likes than somebody, but specifically did a um, talent-to-title ratio and went and pointed out that they're like, there's 120 um, wrestlers on this roster, and so that's... Uh, and having five titles to 120 wrestlers is actually still a pretty bad ratio. So... Uh, it's either dwindle the roster down or give them more to compete for. And so, yeah, not so bad. And I, I think once ROH starts out, things will, the picture will become a little bit more clear. Yeah. Things will become a little, there'll be a little bit more breathing room. The other issue, as you pointed out immediately, you just turned to me and said, that's the women's title. <laughs> that's, the, that's just the AEW women's title with like a new center plate, basically. Yes, so it looks very yeah. visually similar to a title they already have. Yeah, it's very clearly the same belt. Um, just, yeah. uh, the modified design. Um, but yes, uh, we got... This was Buddy Matthews's first AEW singles match. Uh, and one that people were excited for. First off, forgot how fucking ripped both of these guys are. And seeing him in the ring together is like, oh my god, what is happening here? They look like but, action figures. <laughs> they look like action figures. But uh, Pac and Buddy Matthews went out there. Um, these two had never faced each other. And uh, killed it. I thought that they went out there and did quite well with each other. These these are guys you would kind of expect to do so. Uh, people were calling this like the 205 Live special, but like these guys were never 205 Live together. Um, mm-hmm. That Pac was the Cruiserweight champion at one point, but that predated Buddy Murphy. And yeah. so... I would say any references to 205 Live to me would be... Uh, when referring to these two would be good references because these two were highlights. They were great. I told you on Wednesday that there was a point where I thought Buddy Murphy was the best wrestler in the WWE. I thought when he was doing his stuff at 205 Live, I thought he was having the best matches in WWE. Um, So I I was... This match itself, I was expecting a little bit more high-flying. It was very much strike-based, which is good. I, I, I liked it. I was just expecting a little bit more of the high-flying aspect of it. But this was just brutal. They, they kicked the shit out of each other. <laughs> um, and it was very good. It was... Uh, I. Was this the match with the reverse uh, Hurricane Rana where... Yeah, the, the Poison Pac, Rana. Pac landed 
straight on his head when he was going no, back. And, it was a uh, buddy who landed there. Oh, right, right. Okay. So I was a little concerned about that, but um, yeah. And then the the black arrow to win that was that was great. Hey, I think we're being joined. So I see we Jeremy are. popped up at the bottom. William Washington, I'll see you next week. Yeah. See, I I just told the story at the beginning of the show that um, uh, the Avalanche are going to the Stanley Cup, and therefore, did you figure it out yet? Where are we going? When are we going? I I DM'd you. Um, I DM'd you, but next Saturday is either going to be game one or game two. So if it is cool with you, Saturday, we will either go to game one or game two. I'm down. Okay, I didn't know that was going to be an issue. I I know you're a busy man. You're, you're traveling. You're gonna go to some GCW show or something. <laughs> I don't go to. I don't think your court appearance would be on a Saturday for your ticket. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that I will. No, as a matter of fact, I don't have any more travel scheduled till Forbidden Door, and I did just get uh, approved for all things Forbidden Door. Thank you, AEW. But um, so. I will be at Forbidden Door, but other than that, I have no more travel coming up until then. I say that like that's a long time from now, but that's literally been like three weeks. weeks. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's well, next two, Saturday. That's two weeks from, yeah, that's two weeks from this, uh, this Sunday. Well, next Saturday, you'll be at the Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup playoff game. I don't, I assume tickets will go on sale whenever it's all finalized, but we'll, we'll work that out as well. And uh, yes, we'll figure it all out. And I'll see you next week, Will. See you next week. Matt, it is nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you, too. Go well. Avs. Beat the yeah, Lightning, please. I hate the Lightning. Oh, oh, man. So if I. they face the Lightning, you don't yeah. know. Could be. Uh, they're going to face the Lightning. Probably. New York could make a comeback. Maybe. Doubtful, though. Very doubtful. Very doubtful, honestly. We'll see. I bet it goes to Game yeah. 7. I, th- I think it goes to Game 7. Really? I don't know if New York yes. can win on the road. They have not won on the road like all postseason. I don't know if they can win on the road. In Tampa? They beat Carolina on the road in Game 7, I believe they did. They did win that Game 7. But and they yeah, did win. They've... They won like one in Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah. They well, six. I mean, at, again, six, as an Islanders fan, I don't want to see the Rangers win the Cup either. So I'm just all in on the on the Avalanche. So Yeah, there we go. I like it. Uh, hopefully... Hopefully my, my trip to Colorado is with purpose and it's not to go out there just to watch them lose the Stanley Cup final game. But even if it is, I get to see Will. I finally get to go to a game after 25 years. And if it all means they win in the end, I'm fine with that as well. That's all I care about. Just win in the end. That's all I well, miss. good. Thank you for the weekly cameo, Jeremy. Yes. Thank you. You guys take care. Enjoy. Enjoy the review. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for everything, Will. Bye. See ya. And you can watch more of Jeremy right here on Fightful Overbooked and on Main Fightful as well. Uh, that said, so yeah, it was um, Buddy who took the Poison Rana, and then that led to taking the Black Arrow. One, two, three. This was a solid A match for me, uh, mainly because I like seeing these guys. I like seeing them compete. I'm a big fan of Pac. I know Pac's travel schedule keeps him from being able to be at every show uh, because he still lives overseas. And so um, this isn't like pre-pandemic where he could just travel back and forth every week. Um, There's some having to stay down. Yeah, I'm going to give this match another B. Um, I did enjoy it a lot. I I do think that it's... Pac is a babyface right now, correct? Yes. But 
he's still very brooding. <laughs> a lot of scowls. <laughs> Not that I need them to do that WWE Ronda Rousey walk out, look lobotomized, like have a <laughs> completely dead expression with a big smile. But it is, you know, it's it was tough to really, you know, it's I don't know if I feel personally like anyone else feels this way, but it's tough to like get fully behind Pac. Because he's still a bastard. I mean, this is it's a yeah, he's yeah, yeah but he uh, might be our bastard. Yes, so, he is our uh, bastard, and uh, and I think you know being tied to Death Triangle and everything also helps. But uh, yeah, he is a, a full on babyface in the moment. Um, and then I don't even remember what was next. Was it Finley and uh, we actually had a couple promos. We had Eddie Kingston cut a backstage promo. That's right. Uh, <laughs> And and you know what? I love Eddie Kingston's fourth wall stuff. I think he's very good about that. Uh, and, of course, he opens the promo with, they're going to give me 60 seconds, I'll do it in less. And then starts going off, and like he remarks on the the, um, the stage director noting, uh, he was like, what, you're going to give me one of these? I know what this means. It means 30 seconds. I know TV. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, there, there's a moment on Rampage, too. I, I think they'll keep it in. Where uh, uh, you will see him break the fourth wall again, basically at the at the beginning of his, you know, it has to do with the intro of uh-huh. the rampage and yeah. uh, his frustrations with that. So, <laughs> yeah, check that. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. I I really enjoyed that. Uh, what was the other promo? Trent Beretta came to the ring. Yeah, Trent was in the ring. Um, and what is Trent doing here? Uh, as apparently Jr. even asked on. Uh, on fight tv um that wasn't supposed to be heard but he's like whoa what is trent gonna come out and talk about uh and so yeah trent made his way to the ring and trent uh addresses that on national best friends day none of his best friends are here rocky romero's over in japan um chuck taylor's been at tv but uh i guess on screen right now he's not necessarily affiliated with trent right now orange cassidy is out with injury and so Trent's by himself, but he does address that he had that tag match just a couple weeks ago, which felt weird because uh, they show the clip from it on the Tron, and I'm like, I was at that show too. Uh, did I really go to like Dynamite? I, I, I almost went three straight weeks because I was going to go at the Forum. Uh, I had the tickets to go, but I chose not to. But I could have gone to three straight weeks of television. But I did go to Double or Nothing. So I still went to uh, Dynamite, Double or Nothing. And then a week later, I was in Independence, Missouri. But it was just weird seeing all that. And I was like, I was there for this. So Yeah, you could have bought the I Was There shirt at all three of the shows. I could have. Uh, did they have those I Was There shirts? They did. That was that, a, a, a slight bit of criticism. I thought the merch selection was really poor. They only had, I think, three individual wrestlers represented with shirts, uh, Adam Cole, CM Punk, and I don't remember the third. They didn't have any women's wrestlers that I could tell represented with shirts. No Sting, no Darby <clears throat> Allen at the at the lone merch stand. So uh, a lot of AEW-specific merchandise, but you know, I realize they have a huge roster. You can't represent everyone, and they do have a website that you can purchase from, but um, I, I felt like it was a little lacking. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I you know a lot of it is the whole the relationship with um, One Hour Tees who makes their shirts because AEW doesn't like pre-print shirts, right? They, all of it is done through One Hour Tees. It's all made on demand, 
and so they but i think they should have a much better selection of what of stuff that is uh pre-made uh a shock asks um how would you book swerve as a heel question to the chat oh the you weren't asking me you're asking the chat but you know what i i know how i would do it but uh would it mirror? I mean, much of his career has been spent as a heel. Would it mirror what we've seen before? Or well, what's interesting is that that's not really the case. Like I know, like WWE turned him heel when he won the North American title last year, but for the most part, because um, that's one of the things I commend him for is the fact that he does connect with audiences so well, um, and that he hasn't necessarily needed to work a heel. People have really loved him for the most part, and like he really got to explore some heel character sides of himself um as far as getting that hit row run but i think this is just my hunch a good glimpse at what you'll see from swerve as a heel uh let me look up and see if it's available um uh it is okay so, back at Defy 50 on February 26, 2022, Swerve worked a match uh, against Nick Wayne, the 16-year-old signee to AEW. Um, those two had a match for Defy. Watch that match. I think that is what you're going to see of Swerve as a heel. Um, I think if you were to see what he could do as a heel character, working kind of as a lone heel, um, just kind of doing um, kind of sick, sadistic shit, watch that match with Nick Wayne. And uh, I think that's kind of an idea of what he'll do. So you would keep him on his own? I would, yeah. I wouldn't... Because um, I, I honestly didn't think that... Uh, I don't know. I've expressed my opinions publicly on Hit Row. I think, I think Hit Row was a good, like, dog and pony show for him. But I think ultimately Hit Row... I think lost the plot when they decided to try and treat them as equals because they're not. Uh, and I mean that from the sense that look, Swerve has been wrestling 13 years. And uh, if you combine the experience between all of them, uh, they didn't get half of what Swerve has had as a pro wrestler. And I thought presenting them as equals was a bad idea. Um, and I, like I said, I felt like that's where it lost the plot, but anyway, um, and sorry, I'm being corrected. Nick is 17 now. Uh, Sorry, um, I'm, I'm still used to the idea. He's still the youngest dude in the friggin' business um, and has a lot of upside. Uh, so watch that match if you've never seen it. Swerve, just look up literally Swerve Strickland, Nick Wayne um, from Defy 50, and you'll get an idea of. Yeah. Uh, and Alan in the chat says uh, he watched that show live. It was sick. Again, like I said, I, I, like him torturing Nick Wayne in front of his mother. Like I feel like th that's a lot of yeah. what you would see from him as a heel. That sounds um, like Brock Lesnar, Zach Gowan esque. Yes, <laughs> that kind of yeah. Like I said, I, I feel like you'll get a good idea of what he could bring to the table as a heel in AEW. Yeah. So uh, Trent interrupted yes. by um, FTR, who yeah. agrees that. He should have had his, uh, th that they wanted a clean finish, that they felt ashamed that they didn't get it. Um, and then Will Allspray's music hits. And I thought, there's no way he's like actually here. Uh, 
but I'm sure they're like dropping a hint or something. No, he just makes his way out to the ring. <laughs> just there he is. Yeah, uh, yeah. He just so many hits people the have stage. talked about being a part of AEW since day one, or mm-hmm. like speculated about. He's just there. He just is. He's just crowd chanting "Holy shit!" Uh, and then um, uh, Aussie Open, uh, Aussie, Aussie. Sorry, um, Australians don't hurt me. Uh, Aussie Open. Um, they then attack everybody in the ring. Uh, they do a beat down, and Forbidden Door is open. Well, Osprey is just suddenly here. Yeah. No, I mean, it, I was. this was the newsworthy thing from this show. Yeah. Uh, you know, who knows how long the relationship will last, if it will go beyond Forbidden Door, or if this is just a vehicle to get to a match at Forbidden Door. But it was surreal seeing Will Ospreay uh, as part of AEW or doing any kind of capacity with AEW, and they will have a, a six-man tag on Rampage. Yeah, this is... This was insane, and yeah, there's a six man tag on Rampage. We got to see it, but uh, and then of course, the Sunday is Dominion, and I feel like once Dominion passes, then all of a sudden, um, they're kind of able to establish more for the card. Like, I think we are going to get Okada on Dynamite, the question is just when, uh, and I think that probably could happen as soon as this coming Wednesday or the Wednesday after, but we're not going to see it till after, um, right? And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Orion Ben in the chat says that uh, Will's been talking for months, seeing him on the AEW stage, jaw dropped. Uh, yeah, I was in the fucking ring, ring arena, and a guy behind me is just like, he's not here, he's not actually here. Like, oh my fucking God, he's here. Everybody's going crazy. He freaked out. He lost yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> he was going crazy. I could not believe it, yeah. It was, it was the biggest stunner from this show. Sure. Yes, easy. Uh, and it, it was it was a cool moment. Uh, after that, we had, we had David Finley. Oh, actually, Kyle O'Reilly was... backstage with Tony Schiavone. Uh, and, and William Regal. William Regal. And they did make allusions to the NXT years, the mentorship between all of them and uh, William Regal. Yeah. Basically just saying, hey, like you're going to get your head caved in today. <laughs> and it's going to be sad for me to see that from commentary. And uh, Kyle, I thought, had a great promo. Just a good fiery promo about why he came to AEW and uh, what he's going to do. So I, I definitely was a fan of that segment. Again, it's part of the thread throughout the show promoting to mm-hmm. the last segment. So Yeah, I, and the thing is, one thing I loved is, uh, again, just what Kyle's brought to the table so far. I think he's been very different than he has been presented previously. Um when he first came in, you know, I was okay with him being put back in Red Dragon, but uh, I thought it was interesting that he did choose that when, like, he actively chose not to sign with WWE. He um, chose to leave, chose to jump ship, and so did Adam Cole. You know, the only one that was released was Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish was just cut. And so I said all that to say that, you know, what was uh, the motivation for Kyle O'Reilly? Um, was he coming to do a solo run or was he coming to be back with with Bobby Fish? I'm okay with either, but I thought it would be interesting for him to give up kind of the solo dreams, I guess. But that doesn't appear to be the case. I think he's going to actively do both, but it seems like right now they're more so pushing him toward uh, a solo run, even though he is coming out to the Red Dragon music. And the Red Dragon music that they've had since uh, forever, that song in itself is 
quite old. Uh, I think that's... It, it is brain worms. I've had it in my head for 48 <laughs> hours since the show. And it's not, I don't even classify it as good music. It's just, no, I, maybe I'm... because it gets stuck in your head, it is good music. But Yeah, and, uh, and yeah. I like that about it too, because like, I feel like that's one of the, the few like truly memorable ROH themes in that uh, it did stick out. I think Adam Coles was too. I was surprised he didn't have something for you um, when he came in, but I like his theme as well. Yeah. Uh, that said, Adam Cole did come out to the ring. Uh, and, not to the ring. He came out and did commentary, but he did, had his entrance. Speaking of which, he's apparently injured at the moment. He has a torn meniscus, as Fightful reported this week. But uh, Adam Cole comes out to commentary uh, for David Finley. Uh, as JR notes, the son of one of the toughest men to come out of Ireland, Fit Finley. And I think he was just excited to know that, like, look down at his notes and go, oh, thank goodness. Like, somebody, <laughs> I can relate to somebody I know. Um, and so he's able to put all that out there. Uh, but David Finley faces Hangman Adam Page, a man who the AEW audience just has a sense of loyalty to. Yeah. Any kind of illusions that they were doing? about him potentially turning throughout the CM Punk feud, the will-he-won't-he with the belt at the end of the pay-per-view. I think that's all in the rearview mirror. The crowd was fully into him. I didn't hear any kind of uh, mixed reaction. He was one of the most popular Mm -hmm. guys on the show. He worked the match fully like a babyface, and it it was great. So uh, I think that um, it's it'll be. I'm very interested to see where they go from here with him, and if it's Okada, then that's fantastic, and I think that'll slap. Yeah, uh, yeah, Meltzer says that they're going with a three-way with mm. Okada, yeah. um, Adam Cole, and Adam Page. I don't know yeah. how I feel about that. I, I, I would th- probably just do a single. I wonder if, because like, they got to get Cole on this card because Cole had such a presence in New Japan that it would make sense. But if he is hurt, then I can see them probably trying to find a way to put him in a match that could still showcase him but reduce his in-ring usage. So like a three like way would kind of do that. Find some kind of a six man tag <laughs> that they could put him. I just I it it goes from being a dream match to just an intriguing match. I think mm-hmm. whenever you whenever you make it a three way. Well, Max says I'm probably alone on this. I would rather see an Okada and Page versus Cole and White tag match at Forbidden Door than a three way for the IWGP title. Um, yeah, I could see that, especially when you think about the fact that Cole did bring up on his promo after the fact that uh, he brought up he wants to see Jay White win the title this Sunday because Jay White is his close friend and porn bots are back. I'm sorry, chat. Uh, they seem to really love this show, apparently. That's uh, how you know your show has made it. Yes. Um, but no, this was this was a fantastic match. Uh, you're right, you're right. Uh, chat's correcting me, by the way. It was a torn labrum. Um, hmm. My bad. Okay. Uh, I, I I was really impressive. Finley obviously mixed in a few of his dad's spots throughout mm-hmm. this match. Um, it doesn't really look. I mean, I, I when they introduced him as from Atlanta, I was like, what? That? And then I, it made sense to me. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> uh, but no, this was just another good, solid, competitive back and forth match uh i i liked um i like these singles matches that that adam page is having on dynamite that aren't necessarily part of the story although this is part of the forbidden door 
story that they're telling. I just think it's a it's a great way of getting one of your best wrestlers out there and being able to elevate guys. Um, I think he's done that quite a bit, but Hangman did win with the Buckshot Lariat. Yes. And then he cut a promo and addressed the fact that he lost the title just over a week ago. Uh, and he addressed that he wasn't in the Battle Royal, um, but he does want a world championship, specifically the IWGP championship, and he called out Okada, and then that's when Adam Cole said that he wants his hands um, on the world title, but also that you know, you're calling out Okada, but I think it's going to be Jay White. We'll see. We've got, uh, is the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship on its way back to the Bullet Club? Guess we'll find out on Dominion this Sunday. Yeah, I thought, again, it, I, I get that he and Britt Baker are heels, but seeing them cut promos about, because I believe on Rampage there's a Britt Baker promo yeah, about there the is. Women's Championship. Seeing them cut promos about other people not being champions while they tout being champions with the Owen Hart title, which... I mean, maybe it's an allusion to Owen Hart walking around with the Slammies, which you obviously don't defend. But uh, again, too many titles, I, in my opinion, just too visually too many titles. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like Adam Cole. I think he, he did a good job cutting this, this promo, but I probably would not have inserted him into this program. Mm-hmm. Especially Solid. Insert. I think more so, it's not so much inserting him into this program for me. I think it's more like, God, this feels like it's been going on forever. It feels like we've been staring at uh, Adam Cole and um, and Adam Page at it pretty much this entire year, and like you beat him pretty decisively in a Last Man Standing match or Texas Death Match, which is an AEW Last Man Standing match. I feel like that was pretty decisive. I yeah. thought we we're done with this, <laughs> but it doesn't look like we are. Mm-hmm. And they have basically rehabilitated adam cole since then not that he needed it it was a world title program but Mm -hmm. i mean he has as much momentum obviously as anybody in the company uh yeah and so match itself got a b for me i enjoyed the match um Mm -hmm. i give it a b minus i think it was another good match a lot of very good stuff on this show but nothing to my in my opinion yet that rose to the great uh level Okay, what was next on the show? Because you have the results. This was Wardlow being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. And stuff we didn't see. There was stuff we didn't see in the arena, by the way, uh, that I didn't see until I watched it on TV. Yeah, so, okay, Wardlow comes out to the ring. Uh, He's brought out by uh, Tony Schiavone. And, by the way, the chat is asking. um, We saw Girl Power Wow says, Speaking of music, I thought Wardlow was getting new music. Um, I I thought I told the story on... I said, tell them day after dynamite. I do so many podcasts each week. I don't know which uh, shows I tell stories on anymore, but I do know that Wardlow had complete music. It is done. It was set to his. They even have a Tron. It's set to the the new Tron that he comes out was made for his new music. Hmm. And I know that when they did the run through. Um, it was either Tony uh, Tony Khan or Wardlow didn't like the new music, and they decided about an hour before last week's show to kill it and uh, go back to the old theme. Yeah. And that decision has stuck apparently this week still. Uh, you know what so- I think? It, it would cost them probably way too much money, but I would love to see them get the rights to War Pigs. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I keep hearing that, but... Yeah, I mean... 
and obviously didn't wasn't the last pay-per-view just sponsored by or had music from Ozzy Osbourne for WWE. I, I yes. think Hell in a Cell did, so that yeah. might be tricky to work your way <laughs> into that relationship. But I, I think it would just it fit. He tweeted about it. I think it'd be great. Hmm. Um. And so the I thought his logic uh, about why he wasn't in the battle royal was the best they could have done. I thought it was good logic. He wants to beat CM Punk. I mean, the, so, I've seen some arguments against that. I heard that uh, somebody said, but they've already confirmed the interim champion has to face CM Punk. So this actually would have been your fastest road to facing CM Punk. But he 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 made it. He was pretty explicit about wanting to pin or make CM Punk submit to become the champion for the first time. So I mean, I yeah. If if the alternative to me is putting him in the battle royal, which his resume he, would have said he deserved, then he would have had to have been eliminated. Yes, and I don't I think you want to do that either. No. Yeah, so uh, because I think this has to be Moxley. Like Wardlow really has no ties to New Japan, and so he doesn't really fit any story that you could tell with the the Forbidden Door right now. It's a Moxley story right now. Uh, so I get kind of why moxley has to be the one to win and you didn't want to put wardlow in a position to have to lose to moxley or get eliminated in the battle royal so soon after uh getting to finish the mgf story and then he calls out scorpio sky and says that he wants the tnt title that he won the face of the revolution ladder match and he had the match won before mjf cost him the match back in march so therefore now he is coming back for his title that he feels he rightfully earned yeah and scorpio sky ran out but was stopped by dan lambert and uh they and ethan page and they said basically we'll we'll fight you on our time but did you find it interesting that they they on the show basically acknowledged or took digs at sammy and scorpio and that whole situation with it's weird that everybody's taking shots at it like sammy even on his own vlog was like thank god that feud's over and it's like but you lost who would say that (laughs) logically but uh uh you know they they were kind of even alluding in the build-up when scorpio was like i'm sick of this i'm sick of all of this i uh if i beat you you never get another shot again and like it it really felt for a time like they were addressing the fact that fans weren't happy with it i don't know if it was productive to really do that uh i feel like there were other ways around it but yeah they did acknowledge that people haven't necessarily liked the direction of the tnt title Mm -hmm. and next week wardlow will take on 20 security members (laughs) yeah i think it's hilarious i i love that so that was what we missed was that uh, they go backstage to, uh, which is weird because I was wondering why they were stalling so long in the ring. Like, what is Wardlow doing? But apparently it's because uh, on screen they cut backstage to, so we didn't see this in the arena, by the way, um, but they cut to uh, Mark Sterling. Mark Sterling announces that uh, not so fast, Wardlow. You think you're just going to get a TNT championship match right now? Um, well, that's not going to happen because... Uh, I have a uh, the class action suit against you, and these these fine men behind me, surrounded by security, have all decided that they want to face you in a twenty on one <laughs> elimination match. Is what they said. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a little goofy, and I'm not. I mean, but I'm I'm okay with it. 
yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how you exactly, I mean, it, will it be done gauntlet style or will it just be a mob of 20 people attacking him at once and he just basically hulks his way through the entire, through the entire match? Yes. Um, and then we uh, had a promo by the Young Bucks. Oh, yeah. And this is the one that I was talking about was uh, possibly shot in California. <laughs> yes. Uh, shot in California. And the Young Bucks uh, basically recapped their great week last week and said that they deserve to be number one contenders. The Hardy Boys interrupted them and said that they beat them at double or nothing and deserve to be number one contenders. Then Christian walks in with Jurassic Express and just opts them into a triple threat ladder match uh, next week on Dynamite, which you could see both members of Jurassic Express looking at Christian like, why do you keep putting us in these matches where we could be defeated and not even mm-hmm. or not be defeated and lose the titles? So yes. um, again, they're subtly moving in that direction. It feels like it's the slowest burn of anything that they've done in AEW in a long time. Uh, I do like it though. I I am not sure exactly where it's headed, but I think the end game is Christian as a heel. I think they've had you know at the pay per view when they had Jungle Boy run out and check on Christian. After he got thrown into the steps, I thought that was going to lead to them losing their titles. That's what I thought too. Like but a moment I get... of weakness because of his loyalty to Christian. But uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know when it'll happen. I don't think it'll be next week. Um, I think Jurassic Express will win, but I could be wrong. And a yeah. lot of people have been. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't know. Where are you going with this? I was just going to say, what are your thoughts on putting Jeff Hardy and, to a lesser extent, Matt Hardy in a ladder match after the last few weeks of? Um, I think in it, I think in an odd way, it almost kind of protects them, (laughs) uh, more so because like in a three-way situation, there's less they have to do. And if all Jeff has to do is like, you know, a couple of, uh, spots more so than like working a full on match, that's probably more up his alley than anything else. They they would know more than I would, obviously, what they're capable of and what they can mm-hmm. handle. But it is scary after the Darby match so yeah. soon. And, uh, yeah. You know what's funny? So somebody in the chat, and this is how much this fucking threw me off, said... Uh, so bro in the chat says, and, and I guess this is breaking news for anybody who's not paying attention out to anything outside of this show. But uh, bro in the chat said, oh, wow, Paige did leave. And let me tell you, there are so many people named Paige <laughs> that my brain went, wait, did Ethan Paige leave? Christian Paige Van Zandt? Oh, yeah, I was like, it, uh, yeah, I was like, Hangman Adam Page? Page? Yeah, Page I'm like, WWE? yeah, I'm like Paige Van Zandt. And no, it is. It was Paige left WWE. Okay. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but, but that's, that's what distracted me over here yeah. was I'm like, wait, what Paige? Which Paige? <laughs> Too many pages. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what page actually left anywhere. And, uh, yeah, Paige posted thank you, WWE, and announced uh, her departure from yeah. the company. Can I so. tell you, like, I believe that she is one of the best on-air authority figures that WWE ever had, and the fact that they didn't go longer with that. Like, all of her segments backstage, in my opinion, when she was in that role on SmackDown, were mm-hmm. money. And I, I thought that she was just genuine, and I thought... Like the prototypical babyface authority figure. Yeah, and I liked her too, and I was very disappointed when you know they did that segment with all the McMahons and the Ray talking about we haven't been listening to you, but so the McMahons are taking back over. We're like, no, Paige was the one we didn't have a problem with. Like just even dis- they just like dismissed her backstage on SmackDown and like yeah, big, yeah. Uh, I'm like, okay, from a 
just even an on-screen character perspective, we weren't seeing Paige as the problem. <laughs> That's yeah. not what people were saying. Right. And uh, that didn't really make any sense. But uh, And they paired her with the Kabuki Warriors. Like That didn't really make any sense either. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm, in, I'm interested to see where she where she goes and what kind of a role she'll have. Mm-hmm. But that kind of plays well into the next match. Uh, yes. So uh, Thunder Rosa had a match uh, against Marina Shafir, a match that was announced on Twitter earlier in the day. We saw Thunder Rosa uh, backstage with Tony Schiavone, and she says that she wants um, she's issuing an open challenge to anybody. And um, I have a big problem with this segment because. Uh, <laughs> Marina Shafir walks what couldn't have been more than three feet off screen. Um, like she walks in way too quickly after she says, "I'm issuing an open challenge." Like I'm literally picturing yeah. Marina Shafir just like doing. <laughs> I don't know what she could have been doing. Just like but an it's... NPC. Just like... <laughs> yeah, but like as soon as yeah. uh, Thunderosa says, "I have an open challenge for the women's title," and then. I'm just picturing like Paige Van Zandt just like eating her lunch and is like, really? And like turns around and just is immediately in the shot. She's like, well, Marina. if you have an open yeah. challenge. Yeah. What did I say? Paige. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Marina. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about Paige. Uh, still. No. And then, yeah, Marina Shafir walks into the, the shot and I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, what the hell? She was just standing by with a Subway sandwich, just like <laughs> waiting for her to announce an open challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that, that's that got to be a thing, right? Where like people just hang around uh, Thunder Rosa promos and it's like, hey, sh- as soon as she issues that open challenge. Just like peeking through the, the plants <laughs> in the back. Just like. Yeah. Uh, and so we got that match. <sighs> we got that match. Um, it was it was this, it was a little this, clunky. This wasn't any good. No, I I didn't enjoy this at all. Uh, And the crowd was into Thunder Rosa. You know, as soon as her music hits, crowd loves her. Uh, They were chanting Thunder Rosa at the start of the match. Um, This is the second time I've now seen Marina Shafir live. And I I don't think this is working. Yeah. Uh, Which is interesting because they kind of kept it going after it was over. Thunder Rosa won clean. And I mean, I think that was just was, to, to establish the the Tony Storm run in um, yeah. to give her a reason to come down. Sure. But uh, yeah, I I, I, I would I would I, give it a C minus. It was a little it was a little too clunky for my liking. Um, you're nicer than me. I, I went D on this. Uh, I something is not clicking with Marina Shafir. I don't know what it is. Um, I think that she had a good match with Jade Cargill for sure. I think that title defense number thirty was yeah. was better, um, but something is just not clicking with Marina. Uh, and at least I would personally at least cut bait at this stage. I don't know if that means Turner or do something else, but at this stage, I don't feel. I mean, she is a heel anyway. I don't know. It's something's not clicking. Yeah. I, so after the match, as you said, she was attacked by Marina, and uh, Tony Storm made the save. She said, "Oh no, 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 you don't." <laughs> <She> <laughs> went, 
she held the title uh, before giving it over to Thunder Rosa. So they kind of hinted at that. Can we? Can I reference something that happened on Rampage? Do you care? Sure. It's, so they do have a promo with Britt Baker, and she ma- she gives an interesting line. She said, "I want the title, but I think the title needs me more than I need the." Yeah, title. no. She said, "I miss the title, but yeah, I think the title's missing me more." Which was a biting criticism. Yes. And, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you say that at this point. It's, I think Thunder Rosa <laughs> is still finding her footing, mm-hmm. but they 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 definitely don't shy away from acknowledging elephants in rooms. Yes, so, they do not. Yeah. Um, and then we had a backstage segment with the baddies, right? That was next. Mm-hmm. Uh, promoting the match on Rampage. Promoting the match on Rampage, um, which, by the way, is very good. Um, yes, I, I think. I will tell you my biggest takeaway. Sorry, my biggest takeaway from Rampage was how good Red Velvet is, and so I yes. would tell everybody to go out of your way to watch that match. It slaps. Yeah, Red Velvet and Chris Statlander, very good. Um, and hopefully, all is good coming out of that match. But uh, it's it's it was great, and. Um, yeah. Also, Stokely had me dying. Like Stokely's so good, and I am ready for the references that he gets to drop on this show, uh, because it just get to be Stokely Hathaway, but also just get to put over three amazing women. I I was so happy uh, seeing this group together. Stokely had me cracking up. Great shit. Mm-hmm. But then we get to the main event. Who's challenging for the AEW Interim World Championship? Kyle O'Reilly or John Moxley? He claims he is the Forbidden Door. And John Moxley and uh, Kyle O'Reilly, I thought, went out there and had a banger. Mm-hmm. I thought they did. Yeah. I, I thought that they just had a really solid main event match uh, that... You know, the story, of course, was that John Moxley is going to fucking kill this guy. But for the most part, uh, Kyle O'Reilly hung in there and he out-wrestled John Moxley as much as he humanly could before John Moxley got the best of him. But I thought this match was great. Yeah, it was much like Pac and Buddy Matthews. It was very strike-oriented, which, again, you would expect going into it. Uh, there was a really cool spot where Kyle broke a submission by biting the ropes. I thought that was, that was <laughs> yes. cool. There was also another part where they're just beating the shit out of each other, and then they just kind of like lay on each other, like on their knees for a few a few seconds. I thought mm-hmm. that was really good. They clearly were just destroying each other, um, and at the end, just spiking him with the uh, paradigm shift and and getting the victory. I thought that was that was great. I I thought that I. Is it weird to say that I enjoyed John Moxley and uh, Garcia last week a little bit more? I, I thought that that match, maybe my expectations were lower for that match. Uh, I think it, that but... match told a better story because I think that that, you know, last week's match was about the fact that the last time we saw Moxley face Daniel Garcia, it was a squash. And John Moxley going for everything that he had gone for. Because that happened on, what, the CM Punk episode, the the for, uh, first dance. Um, the show where Punk debuted, um, the main event was Moxley and Daniel Garcia, but it was all really quick. And Moxley went for all of the things that he has previously taken down Daniel Garcia with, but Daniel Garcia had counters at every turn. And so uh, I like that match as a story because it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. But for the most part, uh, I 
you like this match better yeah than i like this ma- I, no, I like i like this match well as a back and forth as a yeah. really talking with two guys i could believe would be a title contender and sure. i think kyle showed out as being a potential title contender but ultimately this was the match for john moxley and he is possibly your next aew interim world champion yeah, I, I like that they this match, again, one of my issues sometimes with AEW and Dynamite is it feels like the end of the show can be rushed. It seems like their timing can sometimes be off. Um, maybe it's because they didn't have Jericho this week cutting a promo, but they yeah. had plenty of time for this match. The pacing was not off at the end. They had all the time that they needed to do their full match and not rush home. Uh, I would give this match a B plus. I think it was solid. I think it was the best thing on the show. Uh, this was an A for me. I just had a lot of fun with it, and I'm really liking the direction of Kyle O'Reilly in that uh, he is coming off as somebody who can hang. Um, and so, yeah, enjoyed it. And overall, I enjoyed this episode of Dynamite. I think when you consider everything that was missing from it, that it didn't have Brian, it didn't have Jericho, um, and I think you're right about the Jericho promo thing, by the way, uh, and uh, and of course, there was no punk, and so there were things to have to make up for it, and I think that they filled it quite well. Uh, and the Battle Royal really filled, really found a way to use multiple people to tell multiple stories, and uh, as you mentioned, get the thread, the the show throughout. So yeah, I enjoyed this Dynamite overall. Um, the question is, now, of course, this is the thing I do on the show on Thursdays, but uh, I have to pretend like I don't already know. What were the ratings of this show? Let's see. I don't uh, know. I legitimately don't know. I haven't seen it, so... Uh, well, I'm pretty certain that the episode did, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it did like 939. Uh, let's see. Um, and I don't remember, was it up against any NBA? It was up against the NBA finals. Oh, right. And, uh, cause that's the point I was going to make. Was I right? 939. I was spot on. Uh, so the show did 939. Uh, and... I think it's biggest accomplishment more than the solid number um, because that that number is down from last week, but otherwise up against the NBA Finals was was fine. Uh, but I think the thing that Tony's hanging his hat on, and he should hang his hat on it, and Warner Media as a whole or Warner Brothers Discovery as a whole should hang on to this is that it was the number one show on cable TV this past week and or this past Wednesday that it beat everything else it was up against. And not just that, but it was also, if I'm not mistaken, the number two show on all of television that it was, that it beat everything on network TV. The only thing it didn't beat was the NBA finals, but number one on cable um, and then right behind ABC. Uh, So really great number for them. Um, you know, I really like to look at the year over years, but I feel like people who don't, uh, at least are reading them in bad faith, we're looking at last month's year over years and we're like, oh, look, all the shows are way down. Somebody's in trouble. And that's because I don't think they realized the NBA playoffs last year were in June, Mm -hmm. um, whereas this year they were in May. So that's why now if you're looking at the year over years, June looks astronomically high because they don't have playoffs to be up against. It's literally just mm-hmm. one series. It's the finals. And yeah. I think June's going to look way weird until next year when your year over years can balance out. So you think there might be some bad faith stuff just on the other end of like, look how much it's up year over year. <laughs> yeah. Just people I think, not contextualizing uh, <laughs> at all. Right. No, people aren't contextualizing. They're just like, look, it's up way year over year. As if, and it's going to be like really absurd for AEW because. 
Um, not only was AEW up against the NBA playoffs last year, it was also preempted by the NBA playoffs because they were still on TNT at the time. It was preempted literally every week in June uh, where they were just off Wednesdays. Remember, they were doing the Friday Night Dynamites every week, and they were late because they were coming out after SmackDown. Uh, they were doing Friday Night Dynamite every week in June, yeah. uh, and they did that one Saturday Dynamite, but they were just completely off. So that's it. That's it for Day After Dynamite. Matt Galloway making his appearance, first appearance here on a Fightful Property on Day After Dynamite. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Will. It was a pleasure seeing you on uh, on Wednesday. And I have to tell you, do you want to share what uh, your son said as we were leaving the arena about the, the music that they play, the Wrap It Up music? The- <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that was funny. So, yeah, um, if you've been to an AEW show and you stick around long enough, at the end of the show, they always play the, uh, the Looney Tunes, That's All Folks at the end. And Billy goes, do they play this because uh, it's Warner Brothers? And I was like... Huh. I would not have put that together at eight years old, no. but uh, but you, it is something you would think. Like when you yes. said that, I was like, "That is a willism." <laughs> that absolutely is. Yeah. So that is uh, just our brains work very similarly. Um, thank you, son, for uh, for yeah. bringing that up. It worked out. Uh, yeah, I, either way, I thought this was a fun dynamite. Next week is Road Rager. It's weird that it's not at the same time as last year's Road Rager. I also don't necessarily know what Road Rager even means this year because the whole point of Road Rager last year is that it was the first dynamite back on the road after being at Daly's place for a year and a half. It means a make good to St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's just like a name and a and a reason to get to use the '80s graphics because I know I, I like that '80s theme that they they do for that show. Because mm-hmm. um, it's the same, it's the graphic set from Bash at the Beach, which they can no longer use because Cody sold the trademark back to WWE in exchange for getting the name Cody Rhodes, and then signed with WWE a year later. Um, so they got everything in all of that. Uh, but yeah, so. It's the same graphic set from Bash of the Beach, but now it's Road Rager. But yeah, I felt I just feel like Road Rager made sense when it's like we're back on the road. That's the idea they're selling here is that it is the road. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I thought Road Rager was the go home to Forbidden Door and Blood and Guts, but it's not. Uh, there's also a dynamite in between there. The uh, the Milwaukee show. So they so they've got St. Louis this week, the Milwaukee, and then Forbidden Door in Chicago. And then uh Detroit gets blood yeah. and guts. Well, if you decide to go to St. Louis on the spur of the moment decision, then <laughs> please pick me up as you pass through Kansas. <laughs> Definitely Milwaukee. not going to St. Louis. Um uh share shares going. So uh shout out to Share Delaware, she'll be there. Uh she was also at the um, she technically lives in Illinois, but um, I mean, it's a stone's throw from St. Louis. I think that's actually her closest major city. Yeah, there is literally a St. Louis, Illinois. So, Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know the Midwest like that, man. Well, that's <laughs> You should. You don't, you don't have an excuse. You don't live on the East Coast, so you should know flyover country very well. 
I, I will say, uh, I ended up speaking of flyover country. So I ended up while driving, stopping at a very flyover restaurant um, in a very flyover town. It was just like, okay, I'm starving. I just Googled the word pizza and I found uh, this restaurant in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. And uh, it was like a really small town black guy walking in like I, I, there were multiple guns on hips by the way so i'm just mm. like i just want to get my pizza and get out of here um and but pizza was was very good good happy to hear <laughs> but, uh no i'll tell you my relief though um my relief being in this small town only black guy in town uh only black guy i could see because the restaurant was kind of packed it was like this was clearly one of those restaurants where it's like okay this is where everybody in the neighborhood brings their family on a wednesday or thursday night uh but my relief was in the fact that a gay man served me and i thought okay now <laughs> so at least <laughs> ally yeah i was like okay it can't be so bad around no. here uh so we're good we're good yes anyway matt thank you for being here uh i mean i say it's been a long time since we podcasted together but we did a show back in i think that was like november yeah yeah it was very recently so or yeah. or a long time ago i don't know time is kind of relative <laughs> once you reach a certain age yeah but you did rbr like just a few weeks ago i think mm-hmm. you yeah. did the i think didn't they do something like a cinco de former, former hosto? hosto yeah okay and if everybody wants to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Jobberton, or you can follow me on TikTok at Charmillionaire. So, yes. <laughs> I didn't know that was your twi- or your uh, TikTok handle. Well, I wanted Al Gore rhythm, but that mm-hmm. was taken. So, oh. I'm Charmillionaire, like the Pokemon and the rapper. Just yes, just combine them. So, uh, well. I want you guys to leave this video a thumbs up if you haven't already. Uh, just do it right now. You're sitting there. Leave it a thumbs up. Just just do it. Do it. And thank you. Uh, and also, we have to... Okay, we haven't even talked about this. Because this is only the second video show I've ever done with Matt. This guy has lost a fuck ton of weight. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Oh, like... Hey, this isn't even my final form. <laughs> No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the kind kindness that you posted on Twitter. Um, I'm working on it. Uh, the last week, a lot of barbecue might have set me back a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 85 pounds, I believe, so far since last April. So yes, working on it. And then the next step is to get uh, jacked. So And then I can make <laughs> so my pro dumb. wrestling debut. That's so dope. No, seriously. I, like I saw Matt. I saw. I, I I haven't seen Matt in person since 2019 um, when he came through Denver, uh, and I, I what was the first thing I said when I saw you on Wednesday? I was like, "Where's the rest of them? Like, what happened?" Yeah. Oh, I forgot. It's yeah. Yep. Yep. A lot of cardio. A lot of uh, not partaking in. The donuts and desserts and sweets at my job that are just constantly offered and floating around. That's what it like started my weight gain journey, um, where I'm now up 30 pounds. Uh, and that is like my current job just loves to feed us. 
They provide everything. You I, every morning I walked into that office, they're just like, "Hey, we got donuts today," and I'm like, "Cool donuts." And uh, and there's then, a holiday for every snack food. Yeah, and there's uh, I feel like every week somebody was throwing a potluck for something, and I'm like, "What is even the occasion uh, that's happening right now?" But also like. You guys brought Mexican, so okay. Yeah. Uh, I get these emails that come in probably once a day that say, hey, there's leftover, because there'll be like a conference um, that they'll have, and they'll order in, and they'll order way too much, and they'll say, hey, there's leftover this, and it's, and of course, I'm like, wait, leftover Qdoba? All right, I'm coming over, mm -hmm. and I'll go get Qdoba. Uh, and then well, also, yeah. shout out Tammy, our um, our floor coordinator, but she also keeps all the snacks at her desk. She keeps this fucking box full of snack size Oreos and a box yeah. full of uh, Chips Ahoy and a box full of fruit snacks. And like this job, like I said, I've put on 30 pounds. Yeah. Just say no. Just say no in the future. It's, it's tough. But the one thing I'll never say no to, though, is wedding cake. When someone brings wedding cake on a Monday morning and they're like, we have leftover wedding cake... I will be there. <laughs> I will eat all of the wedding cake, and I will feel like shit the rest of the day. But, well, in one month, I'll be at Denise Salcedo's wedding, and uh, give me a slice. I will, I will yeah. also partake. So there's there's that. Um, I have been keeping my watch on again. Uh, I had stopped wearing it through the pandemic. Um, if people have noticed through the last couple of shows that I've done. It's been, probably been like four weeks. I've started wearing it again because it is a fitness tracker also. So I'm trying. I need to get at least 20 of this 30 back off. Uh, I, I stepped on the scale yesterday and I am at 220. And most people have known me at 190. So, yeah. Well, it's okay. You're the dad bod of dad. So yes. I know, right? That's what I tell my brother, but he's like, I'm a dad too. And well, <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, and they wanted to know your secret in the chat. And you said that is. Yeah, just... uh, I do four hours. Of, I try to do four hours of cardio a week, if you can believe it. Or probably after looking at my background uh, back there, uh, Pokemon Go has actually been a big help, just walking and hatching eggs, playing that awful whale uh mobile app and just investing way too much time into it uh cutting out the shit i write down in my notes app anytime i eat something i shouldn't so it kind of helps me be accountable and uh completely stop drinking soda which i would i used to go to high school with like a 44 ounce mountain dew every single day so yeah this is um this is this in the travis kelsey uh koozie is an aha so. Yeah, I, oh, I love uh, just sparkly water in general. I mm -hmm. um, cheers. So for the working yes. man. <laughs> uh, so I get it. But hey, folks, thank you for being a part of this edition, the special edition of Day After Dynamite, the Dad Dad, because uh, this is Day After Day After Dynamite, or yeah, Day of Rampage. Um, check out tonight's Rampage. I think um, I think the Hager match will surprise people. Because uh, I think it, it was actually solid. Um, Satnam Singh is exactly what you think, and uh, and the main event is a lot of fun. But also, uh, like we said, Chris Statlander and mm -hmm. Red Velvet I think deliver quite well. So check out Rampage. 
And that's it. Otherwise, folks, that's it for this edition of Day After Dynamite. Thanks for joining us. For Matt Galloway, I'm Will Washington. We'll see you next time. Have a great night. Peace. Did you just hit your mic? I did. That was waving at the mic. All right, peace. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.